The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Because according to trade magazine The Grocer, more office workers are making sandwiches at home and bringing a packed lunch into the office than ever before. Business professionals apparently grew comfortable making their own lunches when they worked remotely during COVID and they're hanging on to those habits now that they're back at the office. And as the cost of living crisis continues and it becomes more expensive to eat out, the making at home lunches uh, seems to be ever more appealing. Here to discuss the popularity of the packed lunch post-pandemic and offer some lunchbox recommendations is TV chef and culinary lecturer Edward Hayden. Edward, welcome to the show. Hi, Anton. How are you going? I'm going very well. What do you recommend, first of all, for the ideal packed lunch? Because it's it's a challenging thing to get right. The, the, uh, the, the rogue tomato can make a sandwich a very soggy thing if you have to keep it for four hours. So what's the ideal and approach? It can make one o'clock a very depressing hour of the day for sure. Um, I think, firstly, Anton, there's a bit of Shirley Valentine in this all from a culinary perspective. And we have a tendency to kind of go down the same route the whole time. So I suppose the thing is to uh, introduce a bit of variety. What I'm kind of suggesting to yourself and your listeners this evening is to maybe uh, migrate from the sandwich a little bit and head towards your kind of little lunchbox of uh, fuel. So, I mean, I'm thinking of something like a lovely little couscous salad. So, again, couscous is a really nice item once it's kind of made well. And the simple, uh, uh, the simplest way to do it is one part couscous and two parts boiling liquid, whether that's stock or water. And then put whatever you like into it. So, again, think of your cherry tomatoes, think of your cucumbers, think of a little bit of poached salmon, uh, whether it's tinned or fresh. Um, think of uh, other little bits of leftover meats that can be put in and the advantage of something like that Anton is that you can have it in the fridge and you get a couple of days out of it because you mightn't always have that zest to kind of to be making something kind of fresh and and vibrant every morning or every evening before uh, you go to work the next day so something that you can call upon for a couple of days so a little box of salad like a couscous or maybe some penne pasta just boiled and uh, cooled down mix in some roasted veg with a little bit of pesto something like that that will give you a little bit of uh, visual and textural and uh, taste interest at lunchtime as well instead of the the soggy sandwich And are you one of these people who would ascribe to pre-planning your entire week of a Sunday and neatly organising it in Tupperware in the fridge? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. Wasn't, I didn't look at all the trouble that Leo Varadkar got into for that. So, no, I'm not one of those, uh, Anton. I'm a kind of a fly by the seat of the pants uh, type. But I think we can do that as well. I mean, listen, I mean, people go shopping maybe once or twice a week and they can kind of pull upon then what's in their fridge and kind of be as innovative as they can. But no, I certainly wouldn't know on a Sunday what I'm going to have the following Friday, nor would I be looking at it all week. And that's, I suppose, something that I'd caution against whilst I'm saying you can make the salad and let it last for for one or two days you know you're certainly going to get menu fatigue if you're going to be eating the same thing day in day out and also if you're kind of making it on a Monday and it's in the tub where until the Friday by the time it gets to Friday it's not going to be at its best and all of the the vegetables and all the different components of whatever salad uh, are going to be tired so choose quick options that can be uh, made up nice and quickly using the freshest of of ingredients because you want to have a bit of interest you know we're we're all kind of waiting uh, from the time we start work for our lunch and thinking about, oh, my God, we're hungry and we're going to uh, satisfy ourselves. So if you kind of open your lunchbox and you're looking at kind of a tired, soggy, boring mess, 
you know, it certainly makes uh, your day perhaps even more mundane than it already is. And do you think people are bringing the lunch to work because they are habituated into want to eat, wanting to eat exactly what they choose and they got used to making their own food? Or is it a, a cost thing? I think it's multifactorial, to be honest with you. And I think, you know, certainly people were able to kind of... Um, one of the things I put it down to actually is, you know, food and uh, cooking and making and preparing food became very sexy and in vogue uh, during the kind of the pandemic because people had nothing else to do. So if we think of all of the jokes about people making sourdough and banana bread, but I think we can extend that a little bit further and people were certainly trying out different recipes and different ingredients. So I think people got a bit of a graw for cooking and I think they want to extend that. It's like the universal vernacular now, isn't it? And regardless where you go, everybody is, is talking about food and talking about what I did and what I made. So I think there's a bit of that attached to it as well. I also think, you know, the, the inflated cost of, you know, the casual dining out experience uh, is certainly precluding many from having their lunch out. If you were to think about it, Anton, you go out to whatever kind of food emporium, whether it's a food truck or a cafe or a little bistro, I mean, to get a coffee and a sandwich or a, a kind of a sandwich equivalent of sorts, it's going to cost you probably a tenner. So if you're doing that five times a week, it's 50 quid. And, you know, whilst it's a real luxury, you know, many people mightn't have that 50 quid. So I think what a lot of people are doing now is maybe doing it once a week or twice a week, going to kind of the food truck or going to the little cafe and doing that. And then on the other days, um, having their having their lunch that they've brought from home. But also I'm looking at, you know, my own family members, People now are kind of going for, you know, greater flexibility in their working day. So I think many are going for a shorter lunch um, to kind of facilitate an earlier finish or a kind of a, a later start, depending on which way you look at it. And then it's simply an issue of time as well, that there's a kind of a, there's a, 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 a restriction with regard to the time opportunities to go out for lunch as well. Now, Edward, I have a theory and I found over the years that every time I have a theory, it's wrong, but I'm going to play ahead anyway. And <laughs> I think we have a difficult, we have a challenge in Ireland culturally with the delicatessen sandwich. Because you either go out to get a sandwich and it's, you know, you have a chicken that died of natural causes and it's mixed with cheese made from some uh, Iberian mountain goat and it's got 19 different kinds of pesto and it's four feet high and it costs 12 quid. Or you've got a very sad, depressing thing you got out of a garage. The middle distance, like they have in America, where you can walk in and say, I want this, that, this, that, this and the other with a side of that. They turn it around in two seconds and you're out the door. I don't think we do them well. Uh, I think your theory is not overly unfounded, uh, Anton. I'd agree with you. And also, and just I, where I thought you were heading with your theory uh, for the delicatessen is that we want to put everything in it, you know, and you'd want a mouth as big as the Shannon to, to get around it because we get greedy when we stand to the counter. We want a bit of everything. But yeah, I think, you know, to facilitate um, the, the kind of the, the move between, you know, the really good home-cured uh, hand-dried ham versus what we want, might call uh, in the industry as the plastic, Ham, the kind of the middle ground uh, mightn't be that well catered for. And I suppose, you know, I'm speaking to you now here today from, from rural Kilkenny and, you know, perhaps in the bigger cities, you know, it's better catered for than it is in the kind of the, the rural communities. So option is not always as, as prevalent as, as people might like 
as well. But um, I was thinking I was on holidays last week. I was over in Ibiza and I remember going somewhere and we got this most beautiful bread roll. It had Iberian ham and local cheese. There wasn't a single other thing on it. And it was like an angel dancing on the tip of your tongue. So sometimes simple is the way to go as well, but good quality. I have to say at this point, I am I am contractually bound when you're standing in for Kieran. You have to defend Kilkenny anytime there is any potential inference of criticism and say that I'm sure that all of the wonders of the the capital's culinary uh, offerings are available in Kilkenny and you just haven't looked hard enough, Edward. Well, for sure and certain, I can concur with Kieran that they are all available. We're very blessed in, in Kilkenny with all of the offerings, not only of food, but of culture and heritage and craft. Now we're and talking. Sport. We've got it all. Uh, we've got it all for sure and certain. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to, uh, I'm happy to concur with, with Kieran on that, who is uh, always flying the proud Kilkenny flag for sure. Edward, thanks very much. That is Edward Hayden, TV chef and culinary lecturer. And uh, before we were chatting to Edward, we were talking to Neil Richmond, Fine Gael TDA Minister for State with Responsibility for Business, Employment and Retail about retail food prices and particularly about milk and the IFA's concerns that the drop recently announced by German, one of the German discounters, that the drop in milk price was going to get passed on to the, uh, directly to the farmer. Anton, farmers can't just change from dairy to other forms of farming. The investment in dairy-specific sheds and machinery is mild, mind-boggling, so they're sort of stuck there or go bankrupt. I think what the, the IFA was suggesting was that the difference was liquid milk versus other forms of milk product. Another saying there's a certain misinformation in the farming sector. I know a few farmers personally who had record years from producing milk last year. Granted, it's not as good as this year, but they're still making a living. And another, he implies some producers are making sizable profits, which they are if they use the fat content in milk, which is the profitable element. And this takes away from the milk availability that we drink and that we put in our coffees. If you want to get in touch, 53106 at a cost of 30 cent, or you can get in touch for free and for nothing, 087-1400-106 on WhatsApp. Now, coming up after the break, we're going to be getting advice on how to handle the kids now that you're responsible for them. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.